What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Houston Open. It'll be a data-driven approach to go through the course. The players will run a model. We'll try to find the best and maybe even the worst plays for this week via my website, rickrungood.com, giant golf database uh, for DFS and golf betting. Two quick announcements here at the top. Number one, uh, we are about to release the first batch of season-long fantasy spots. So I'm going to hope hopefully do that Thursday or Friday. We've been behind the scenes creating the leagues uh, for fantasy golf to more mimic fantasy football starting in January. But to get a head start on that, we've been creating the, the, the leagues in the last couple of weeks. I believe the first batch is going to be like 250 available spots. So later this week, I'll tweet it out. It'll be a spreadsheet where you can find the league that works best for you and join that. And then we'll probably continue to do more batches afterwards. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Additionally, not so much an announcement, but if you're going to be at the RSM Classic next week, I'll be there Thursday and Friday. It's always great to meet up with you guys in person and say, hello, I've never been to Sea Island before. I don't know the best spots to view it from or the best places to post up. So I'm going to be learning on the fly. So if you're going to be around, uh, give me a holler. Looking forward to seeing you out there. Okay. I think, um, I think that's about it. Let's just jump into this. The golf course, Memorial Park. And uh, this is a reminder that Andy Lack, so Andy writes uh, two articles a week for for rickrungood.com, and we wanted them to be just really actionable, really well thought out articles. So there's a Monday article, uh, which he dives into the golf course, and there's a Wednesday article in which he does a lot of like ownership pivots and actionable stuff for late in the week. And um, he is so good at course architecture and agronomy, but he's really good at understanding how that's going to translate into the types of golfers that are going to have success. So I highly recommend uh, that you go look at that article for this week. It's really interesting stuff because Memorial Park you know, this used to host uh, this event like 50 years ago, but but recently just came back for the Houston Open because Tom Doak was able to do a redesign in which they made this much more, I don't know, PGA Tour, I shouldn't even say friendly, much more compatible for the PGA Tour. More on that in just one second. So we've got three years of data for the current version of the Houston Open. So don't be confused if you're going back and looking at at previous years. Um, Before we jump too deep into this, let me show you the scorecard. 7,400 yards, par 70, very long, right? I think Southern Hills was the only golf course on the schedule last year, which was a longer par 70. That's a major championship, okay? Now, the firm and fast style that we're expecting for this week because Houston, they have not had much rain uh, this year. So it should hopefully be firm and fast. It's it's going to be a tough test. It's going to be a true test. And look at what they've done with this scorecard. I, I love this. So it's only three par fives. Those par fives are not easy. They're like the second or third most difficult set of par fives on the PGA Tour schedule. That's normally where a lot of golfers would make their hay on the PGA Tour. Not necessarily going to be the case this week in Houston. And then you get five par threes that are all different lengths. It's so easy on the PGA Tour to get four par threes that are all 160 yards. And it's like, oh, all right, well, whatever. We've got 167. 216, 182, 237, that's number 11, and 155. I love that. A true test. And then you've got these long par fours. I mean, straight out of the gate, you're smacked in the head with a 522-yard par four. Like, 
Let's go. Let's go. Winning scores since the redesign, since they came back to Memorial Park, like 10, 12, 14 under par. That's kind of the target that we're probably going to be seeing uh, this week. When you look at the course key stats model, this is a regression model. It looks at um, all the all the stats for each event, looks at the, the finishing positions for each event, and it finds the highly correlated stats. A couple that stand out here. Driving accuracy is 11th, which means there's only 10 other courses on the PGA Tour in which driving accuracy is more important. Um, distance is always an advantage. You know, when you get into this thicker, stickier Bermuda grass rough, um, you're going to have a lot more trouble hitting greens. Uh, it's not super imperative that you play out of the fairway. It's just has been correlated to success and would certainly be a benefit. Then you're going to see a couple of short game stats show up here, which is kind of rare for two short game stats to be this highly correlated to success around the green sixth. That means there's only five other courses on the PGA tour, in which around the green is more important strokes game putting second, only one other course in which uh, strokes game putting was more correlated to success. So why? Uh, Andy does a really good job of explaining this as well, but the redesign, it removed a lot of bunkers, uh, bunkering on the PGA tour is generally not a hazard, right? Professional golfers want their ball in a bunker. They're able to apply spin. They can control, they, they know what's going on out of a bunker. What they did is they, they have these short grass areas around these greens, which makes it a lot more difficult. And when you're coming in with longer irons onto these par, uh, these par fours and you've got these par threes, one of them's 237. Like you're missing a lot of greens around here. So you're playing from these short game areas quite frequently, which is probably why it's showing up here as one of the stats to success. You've got to be competent. You know, you've got to be able to get up and down. If you are not, you're going to hemorrhage a ton of strokes around these greens. So when you put all of this together, the idea that you've got, um, you know, playing out of the fairway is going to be a benefit. If you're in the rough, that's going to cause uh, more of a situation. You've got par threes across five different uh, lengths. You've got par fives that are not easy. You have short game areas that will be challenging. You've got lack of, of, of rain this summer that should hopefully make this firm and fast. It's going to be hard, right? And it's going to be a true test of golf, right? I think you're going to have to be competent basically everywhere. And that's kind of the, the other note about this correlated stats model strokes gain total was sixth strokes gain total by its value is always going to be very, very highly correlated to success. In fact, the way that this value works strokes gain total is basically twice as important as strokes gained off the tee, nearly twice as important as strokes gained putting, but relative to other courses, that's where the rank comes into play. It's sixth. So only five other courses in which strokes gain total was more important. Kind of puts this, this idea that you need a complete game uh, more into the forefront. A couple of other nuggets before we move on to the cheat sheet, we dive into the players here. Um, if you're looking for just course history, not tournament history, just course history, uh, take a look at the Holy Grail. Only look at 2022, 2021, and 2020. Those are seasons. So there's, it's weird. This event used to be played before the Masters. Then it got moved to the fall. So we've not missed a calendar year of this event, but we did miss a season. 2019 season did not happen for the Houston Open, but the event was played in 2019. That was the 2020 fall portion of the schedule. So, um, little just nuggets you're going to see throughout the site. I use season in, in, instead of year. So what we do here is we look at 
you know, strokes gain total for just the three years that this event was played at Memorial Park. The best golfer with at least two starts is Joel Damon, or excuse me, that was a complete just mind cramp. It's Sepp Straka. Joel Damon is above Sepp Straka, but it's only one year. So that's what I was looking at. Sepp Straka has 10 rounds. T4, T5, miscut. It's 2.05 strokes gained per round there. And then as far as guys that have played it three times, there is a three-way tie. Denny McCarthy, Maverick McNeely, Scotty Scheffler, all gaining 1.63 strokes per round over 12 rounds, uh, which is the most for anybody who has uh, th- who has made the cut in all three. Sepp Straka missed the cut, but who has 12 rounds on, on, the, on the resume there. So then finally, we loop this back to the course key stats model. And if you scroll down a little bit, you're going to get the... Um, the adjusted course fit here. This this takes the stats from above that are most important, and it it looks at whatever time frame that you put in. In this case, thirty six rounds, and says, okay, um, you know who fits this golf course the best. You do not need course history, right? So it doesn't matter if you've played here or not. This is how your game should fit. Tony Finau, number one, uh, gets credit for accuracy, distance. Is, is his short game is underrated. He gets credit for a lot of things. He's been playing great. Taylor Montgomery, Justin Lauer are two and three. Andrew Putnam, Taylor Moore are four and five. Then you get uh, maybe a more common set of names. Keith Mitchell, Russell Henley, who's won this event and just won last week, Emiliano Grillo, Mark Hubbard, Taylor Pendrith. So those are the guys that, in theory, on paper, this fits them different than, obviously, course history. Okay, let's jump into the cheat sheet. The 10K range, uh, Scotty Scheffler, 11,500, well-deserved. Sam Burns, 10-7, Tony Finau, 10-4, Hideki Matsuyama, 10-3, Russell Henley, $10,000. Okay, a lot to talk about here. Uh, Let's start with Scotty Scheffler, who's coming off a third-place finish last week. He is uh, the favorite. Pretty significantly, plus 550 uh, is where you can find him with Sam Burns coming in at, at 12 to 1 next. So basically half the odds of uh, favorite number two, so to speak, for Scotty Scheffler. And it's well-deserved, right? This has been an incredibly well-documented uh, year for Scotty Scheffler. What he has done in its entirety from tee to green is nothing short of spectacular. What he has done recently with the putter is nothing short of horrible, at least by his own lofty standards. Now, what you'll remember, we have an update, right? We have putter update, putter gate. Uh, the CJ cup is when Scotty Scheffler switched to that Scotty Cameron mallet prototype. He lost four and a quarter strokes. Uh, from my eye, he definitely changed back to the blade on Sunday in Mayakoba. I'm pretty sure he used it on Saturday as well. I went back through the highlights, what I could find of Scotty on video, definitely used his blade back to his trusty blade for the 62 that he shot on Sunday and flew up the leaderboard. And I believe used it Saturday as well. If anybody wants to confirm that in the comments, much appreciated, but I, I'm, I'm certain he, he played the blade on Sunday. Maybe that's what he needs, right? Does Scotty Scheffler just need to see some go in? Is it is it Steph Curry? We know we don't have the strokes gain metrics from Mayakoba, right? We don't get the breakdown for that. But Scotty Scheffler is uh, by far the best player in this field. His tee to green game has been elite. We've talked constantly that it's only going to come down to what that flat stick does. And he clearly rolled enough in on Sunday, played well on the weekend, finished uh, third place at uh, in Mayakoba last week, going back to a place he hasn't, you know, finished worse than 32nd at, including a runner-up finish last year. Scotty certainly, um, y- you know, he has that pride of playing in Texas, right? Even when these golfers who who have agreed, these top players have agreed to play basically the same events and the elevated events and 
you know, Byron Nelson is not one of them. Houston Open is not one of them. The, you know, Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, guys like that, they're still going to play these Texas events, right? Lots of, uh, lots of good vibes there. So, um, a $11,500 version of Scotty Scheffler, it's expensive. I think it's well warranted. I'm going to try to probably jam as much Scotty Scheffler in as I can. Um, his good pal, Sam Burns, uh, no problem there. And I'm interested to see what people do, right? Back-to-back seventh place finishes. He's been great. I've described Sam Burns as a, a modern player. We'll know by Wednesday, uh, Rick Rungood, YouTube channel, live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern time, what the industry is going to do on Sam Burns. I think that's going to dictate a lot of what I end up doing on Sam Burns, whether I just match him or whether I um, try to be overweight. We'll, we'll see what those numbers come on, but certainly no knock against Sam Burns. The rest of these guys, I think, are much more interesting conversation pieces. Uh, $10,400 for Tony Finau. Now, a bizarre and disappointing missed cut last week. Bizarre because uh, when Tony Finau finished his round, many of us, myself included, believed that he had made the cut, that he was five under par. Uh, He got a score adjustment and was actually three under, right? So I don't know if they had... They had mis-entered a hole, and then when Tony Finau came in and, and, and signed his scorecard, we got the accurate stuff, but um, he misses the cut on the number, right? And that's like, oh, well, that stinks. Um, his first start since the President's Cup, maybe he was knocking off a little bit of rust. I will say this about Tony Finau. He had four penalty strokes last week. He had three on Thursday and one on Friday. That is unlikely, right? And when we... we unlikely to happen again. And when we look at events that... Um, especially ones that don't have strokes gain data. What are you looking at in terms of outliers? And what are you looking at in terms of things that guys are are willing to bounce back with? Well, penalty strokes is definitely one of them. Penalty strokes are not prevalent at a lot of golf. You know, like you're not going to have four in two rounds at one place. And that's somehow going to correlate to what you do the next week, right? Like penalty, penalty strokes are not correlated to one another. So very likely that Tony Finau goes this week without any penalty strokes being added to his score, right? That would be the most likely scenario. Uh, So that's four shots right there. And also other things that I would look at would be like, how did he do on par fives, et cetera, et cetera, right? He didn't, he didn't really smash the par five. So you would expect Finau to play much better pretty easily than what he did last week. Um, So I'm willing to go back here uh, and I'm hoping Many of you are not. I'm hoping many of you opt for Russell Henley at $10,000 who has won this event and is coming off a victory. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what the industry will do with the bottom half of the $10,000 range. The other guy is Hideki Matsuyama. This is bizarre, man. You know, if you removed the name from this stat profile, you would not be excited about it at all, right? And I actually can probably give you a better demonstration here. You know, the last 200 rounds, so this is, you know, basically their baseline. Um, Hideki Matsuyama is one of the best ball strikers in the world, uh, as should be no surprise. But he is losing off the tee in like seven of his last nine, eight of his last nine. He's he's a small positive on approach. I did the math. So over his last 28 rounds, he is losing two-thirds of a stroke, 0.66 strokes per round to his one or to his 200 round baseline. So it's basically saying uh, his recent form is way worse than his like long-term career baseline, not even career that, that like 200 rounds is like two years worth. What does that mean? Like that, how tangible is that? Well, the diff two thirds of a stroke uh, per round ball striking is the difference between Scotty Scheffler and Garrick Higo. 
It's a big deal. Okay. So that is a little bit concerning to me. I know that he's obviously finished runner up here at this event. Uh, last year, I know that these guys, just like we saw with Russell Henley last week, these guys that have better 100 round baselines or 200 round baselines, they're capable of getting back to it at any moment. I'm just going to take a wait and see approach. You know, the other guys in the 10 K range, plus what we're going to see in the nines to me, it's more interesting. I'm, I'm going to take a wait and see approach on Hideki. The 9K range is fun, right? So we've got Aaron Wise down to Joel Damon. And there are a couple of guys here uh, that are laughing in the face of the regression gods. Okay, that's that's Taylor Montgomery at $9,700 and Maverick McNeely at $9,400. Taylor Montgomery, not only does he have, what, 10 straight top 15 finishes, just absolute bonker stuff, but he's doing it with just an app, uh, an electric putter. Uh, McNeely the same. So over the last 36 rounds, and last week wasn't even measured in terms of strokes gained putting, over the last 36 rounds, McNeely is gaining 1.1 strokes per round putting. Taylor Montgomery, 1.47. Um, just bonkers numbers. Bonkers numbers. Uh, to, to put that into perspective, let me let me show you uh like what's denny mccarthy's 200 round putting baseline uh a half a stroke 0.58 so so denny mccarthy the guy who has been uh basically the best putter in the world for three years i think he won back-to-back strokes gained putting titles and i think he finished second to lucas herbert last year uh just basically the best putter in the world since he's been on the pga tour these guys are twice as good and three times as good as that. So very unlikely that they are that good of putters, but does it matter? Like they're just getting it done, right? I mean, Matt McNeely, 10th, 12th, 18th, 10th. Uh, we already t- we talk about Taylor Montgomery all the time. McNeely's also got three straight top 20s here. So it's really hard to argue with the results. I, I imagine the putters are going to cool for both of these guys significantly at some way, in some way at some point, but they are putting the ball in the cup. That's, that's, that's all I can say, right? I, I don't have any insight to when it's going to end. I think it is likely going to end, but if you want to play these guys, do it. I, I might, right? We're, we're, we're just in a situation where, especially Taylor Montgomery, Taylor Montgomery's stat profile, at least in terms of the finishing positions, you know, if we, if we were not blessed, the, the other, the other kind of sick part about this is, you know, if this was 2002, right. If we, if we were not blessed with the living in the shot link era, uh, we would, the, these guys would be considered the game's elite. Wouldn't they? I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? So, so it has been four months since Taylor Montgomery has finished outside the top 15. His worst finish, T15, was in was at was at the Shriners. If you just looked at that, you'd be like, holy crap. This guy's unbelievable. And he might be. So it, it's just kind of a bizarre situation. Um, I have no problem playing either one of these guys, but I think Aaron Wise will just continue to get my investments. That it's it's this is well documented. I have I have really nothing else to add to this. He is an elite T to green player who has learned how to putt. He's coming off a 15th place finish in Mayakoba. He's got Four top 15s in his last four, uh, in his last five starts, including a six at the CJ Cup, which skewed harder at Congaree. Um, I'll, I'll just show it to you now, but when we get to the custom model portion of the show, I'm going to put some weight on 
uh, strokes gained hard, difficult golf courses. And what you're going to find is that uh, Aaron Wise does very well on on difficult golf courses. Uh, 0.711 strokes gained per round on hard golf courses. It's fifth best in the, or sixth best in this field. So as if you needed an, another reason to consider Aaron Wise, uh, that little nugget is there for you as well. I don't think you could particularly go wrong in this in the in the 9K range. Um, Denny, I'm really interested to see what Denny's ownership is going to be. So that's Denny McCarthy. Um, because there is kind of a, a plethora of riches here, will people opt for Denny? I'm, I'm kind of hoping no, right? He's coming off the T6 in Bermuda. He's played a lot better as of as of late. I mean, he's got, since the US Open, actually before that, you go back to the Memorial, one, two, three, four top 10 finishes, bunch of other top 25s in there as well. You look at his history around, uh, around Houston, T9, T38, T11 since moving to Memorial Park. We saw how highly correlated the short game stats are to success here. And he's a short game guy. So I don't I don't have any problem with this. I'm hoping we can get a little bit of a ownership discount on him. Can we not? Can we not, please? Anyone? I'm now officially begging. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what Denny does here in the 9K, but I don't think you can really go wrong with any of these guys. You're gonna find out um Sahith is a is is one of the best boomer bust guys that there are. So I've been going through the season long data. I've been compiling it. I've been looking at different ways to look at it when you're trying to roster somebody over the course of an entire season. And I've been coming up with like boomer bust metrics. Boom is when you gain, you know, 25 fantasy points to the field, bust being when you lose 25 fantasy points to the field. You're gonna find that Sahith um big, big time popper, right? I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember he's a big time popper. He's actually Believe it or not, Sahith was the number one fantasy point scorer last season. And you're like, Rick, how does that happen? Well, he played four more events or five more events than Scotty Scheffler did. On average, he was not, but in total points, he was. Um, and he gets that boomer bust thing. The 8K range. Uh, there's a guy I'm very interested in. Let's talk about him. Matthew Neesmith, 8900 bucks. He's back, baby. Okay, let's look at Matthew Neesmith. So... Uh, I've been checking the field every single week. Oh, when's Matthew Neesmith playing again? When's he playing again? When's he playing again? Because what he's been doing is splendid. T9 in Jackson, runner-up in Las Vegas, and T9 at the Zozo Championship. That's his last three starts. Three consecutive top nine finishes. Um, he is someone who has proven to be just an absolute elite second shot player. Uh, if you look at his approach numbers for this season, the current season that we're in, 2023, uh, he's 19th in strokes gained approach. If you look back at last year, he is 30th in strokes gained approach. He is an accurate driver of the golf ball. He's not particularly long, but that's okay. And he is, um, he's been at least competent around the greens as of late, right? And and in the short game categories, you can see we don't have all the measured stuff because the T9 at the Zozo wasn't wasn't a measured event. But this is a pretty decent stretch of five consecutive starts in the short game areas where he was positive in three of them and a very tiny loser in the other two. He's had some horrendous uh, weeks. You know, he lost 5.7 around the green, or excuse me, 5.7 in the short game categories at the Scottish Open. Eh, you can kind of throw those away. He's been much better as of late. So I was excited to see him back in the field. I do worry uh, he's going to have to knock off the rust, right? So it's been three weeks, almost four weeks since we saw him play competitively. I hope that that has not stalled any of the great 
progress that he has made. But eighty nine hundred dollars for Matthew Matthew Neesmith is uh, to me a, a quite exciting uh, little nugget there. Taylor Pendrith, in terms of excitement, eighty five hundred dollars. Uh, I'm also quite excited about Taylor Pendrith. You know, th- th- we're we're trying to do our best on understanding what Taylor Pendrith is despite not having a ton of events, right? He missed the four months last year or earlier this calendar year with the rib injury. And then he came back and he immediately rattled off top 15 finishes for four straight, had another great start at the BMW championship. He was fine at the president's cup. He wasn't, I mean, Corey Connors was horrible, both neither Canadian earned a single point, but the skill set, the ability to drive the ball as far as he does. Uh, and his second shot, I mean, he's a, he's a talented approach player. You look at the ball striking numbers. He has not lost ball striking since the Honda classic. That is 10 in a row. And some of them are pretty big gains. Plus seven, plus four, plus four, plus nine, plus five, plus seven, plus four during that stretch. Like that's, that's incredible stuff. I worry. Um, I worry around the greens, obviously, you know, and, and, and even on the putting surfaces at times, although he's popped, he gained four and a half strokes at the rocket mortgage classic. I worry about that aspect. So this is kind of a cautiously optimistic, maybe I'm like a six out of 10, love the skill set, excited about the next 12 months for Taylor Pendrith, not entirely sure if he's like, if he, he might just lose five strokes around the green here. Like that, that is absolutely within the range of outcomes. If he can avoid that, if he can be like a zero around the green guy, that would be splendid for this week. There's not a lot of other other guys in this AK range that I, I think elicit a lot of confidence and none of them have uh, any good course history. Uh, Keith Mitchell has one good tournament history. That was sixth in 2018, but that was at um, golf club of Houston. The, the, we, we've got really no, we have no top 25s at this golf course for anybody in the $8,000 range, uh, which is pretty jarring. I think on paper and when we go and run a model in a bit. I, I think Andrew Putnam is going is going to show up really well. So you can see last 36, he is uh splendid around the greens. He is a great putter and he has been very good on approach. He has given some back off the tee, but that is because he is very, very short. He's losing 14 yards per round uh to the field. That's it's it's very short. In return, he's getting the accuracy, right? So he's gaining five percent more fairways than everybody else during that stretch or during the towards the field average on that stretch. So because of the only place that he's losing is off the tee and the way he's losing it is not super critical here because we know playing out of the short grass is that much more of an advantage. So we look, we'll, we'll look at Putnam's uh, profile here just so you can see his results kind of on, on, on full screen here. And I think when we go to run a model, He's going to show up really, really well. So we had that. Um, I mean, it's a, he has not missed a cut since the Barracuda, which was in July. So that is uh, like ten or eleven in a row, and it includes a T twelve at the Shriners, a runner up at the Zozo, a T twenty nine at the CJ Cup. He made the cut last week at, uh, in Mayakoba, but it was a forty eighth. It was nothing special. But that that's a stretch of gaining strokes to the field every week for a long time. And the only place that he really loses regularly is off the tee, and we know why. We know it's because of, of, of distance. So, um, really interesting name there that I could see modeling well for us just in general, I'm bullish on Taylor, Taylor Moore, like the next 12 months of Taylor Moore, I think are going to be pretty interesting. He's a very, very good golfer. He's got a great swing, does it in the right ways. Um, not 
particularly saying this week's going to be a good week, but he's got three top 25s in his last four starts. Um, Siwoo, I think I'm just, just as a casual viewer, I'm interested, I'm most interested in to see what Siwoo does. He had that stretch of three straight top eight finishes, then everybody started to play him, and he went 45th and 52nd, and he is a better around the green player than anybody realizes, but he gives most of that back on the greens. But the statistics are probably being hampered by the fact that um, he has, you know, a lot of these rounds that are going against him, he was using that short putter, which he stinks with, and he had a couple of really bad outlier weeks. And now if he's using the broomstick again, he's been much better. So um, all things said, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably match the field on exposure to Siwoo. I'm not planning on taking a significant stance in either direction. I'm just genuinely curious about what he does. And I'm excited to watch him this week because I think this could, he could kind of be an X factor. He could go a lot of different ways. The $7,000 range, couple of really interesting nuggets here. First off, we saw Alex Smalley at $7,600 play well on hard golf courses. He's coming off an 11th place finish uh, at the Bermuda Championship. He played this event last year. He finished 15th. I think that's kind of interesting. Will Gordon, we've described, and I think accurately, like he's back, right? He's playing well again. That that extended from the Corn Ferry to the PGA Tour, and he you know, tried to make a run at Russell Henley last week. He ends up finishing third. I think, I think he's back. Um, Harris English, someone that we've been tracking for quite some time, played well for at least the first couple of rounds last week. Again, I think we're getting closer to Harris English being back. We don't have the strokes game breakdown from last week. He finished T32. He played well early in the week. I, I think we're getting there on Harris English. I'm not ready to make any huge investments or anything like that, but I don't know. Is Harris going to play? Is he going to play the RSM Classic next week? Uh, and what has he done at the RSM? We're, we're doing like a, a preview of the RSM, right? Uh, you know, T6 in 2020, missed a couple cuts. Okay, well, you know. Anyway, if you want to try to be early on Harris English, that's fine. I think this is an okay week. He finished fourth year in 2020. I would have loved to have had the metrics from last week, and then maybe you might get one more run at Harris English next week. I think they're both. I think they're both fine. Mackenzie Hughes, uh, I'm I'm quite interested in at seventy seven hundred dollars. There's a lot to unpack here because remember Hughes has already won this fall. Don't don't forget about that. Feels like it's been off the radar for a while. He won in Jackson. He won the Sanderson Farms. He then played two weeks later and finished T25 or T23 at the Zozo Championship, which was obviously a much more difficult, um, or excuse me, a much deeper field. So he has three starts this season, 25th, win, 23rd. What is the best part about his game? His short game, right? He's this magician around the greens. He can putt very well, usually on harder golf courses where par becomes a good score. Mackenzie Hughes tends to pop up. What has he done at this event or more particularly at this golf course? Well, T29 last year, T7 the year before that, and T55. So he's never missed a cut at Memorial Park and he has a, a seventh place finish. I think this is a really interesting spot to deploy Mackenzie Hughes. We'll see what the industry does. And he is, uh, he's right here, $7,700. Not as accurate recently off the tee as I would like, but when all, all other things considered, um, the recent run, the history around here, what we know about his long-term play, I think Mackenzie Hughes is really, really interesting. One of the other interesting options, um, you know, well, I mean, there's a lot here. So, so we'll talk, we'll start with Sepp Straka at $7,400. Uh, Sepp Straka is 
one of the few really high upside golfers. And when I say really high upside, I mean like legitimately could win a golf tournament, right? He won the Honda, which is one of the harder uh, golf courses that we get each year at PGA National. And then he had those those two runner-up finishes, one a playoff event in Memphis at the end of last year. And then just recently, again, to start this year at the Sanderson Farm. So legitimate high upside Sepp Straka. And if you look at his history around... Houston or around Memorial Park. Uh, remember, I, I pointed him out as the best strokes gain metrics at Memorial Park for anybody who has played all three years. T four, T five. He did miss the cut last year, but still, that does not change the numbers. The other thing is, so 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 Straka, I think, is an interesting DFS option. I might just bet him as well. I'll have to check his number. Um, he's really good in stock market DFS because people don't like playing him. I don't know if it's just like, I don't know. Stock market DFS is all about perception. It's all about um, like, can you outperform your expectation? So of the last 20 cash markets on jock market, Sepp Straka has the second best ROI. Chesson Hadley, who is $6,900, has the, has, has the best. He's returned you 56% on average over 20 cash markets. That's pretty insane. Sepp Straka is at 52%. Average IPO 406 average payout 495. Uh yeah, that's 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 pretty darn good. Here here was last week. Uh Russell Henley IPO'd at 612, paid out $25 a share. Brian Harmon 655, 20 bucks a share. Scotty Scheffler also made you good money as well. So, this is the Jock Market Stock Market DFS. There's a link in the description. Use the code RICK to get you $100 deposit bonus. Different way to differentiate your portfolio, literally speaking, your fantasy portfolio. And now they've got, I mean, for if you're into basketball, if you're into other sports as well, I think they have a a second half of the football season market. So it's basically going to be, it's going to run the entire second half, which is amazing because we wanted longer uh, markets as well. So if you're bullish on somebody for the second half, go buy it. It's, it's so much fun um, and a really different way to play it. So, so Sepp Strzok is there. Grayson Sig is another one. So Grace, uh, was it Grayson Sig? Who am I thinking of? Yeah, it was Sig. Okay, finished T forty two last week, but that I don't believe that to be entirely indicative of how he played. He was bad on Sunday. One bad round. He dropped like thirty five spots on Sunday. He he started the 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 final round inside the top ten, and now we've got a lot of really good golf from him. Right, uh, it's six made cuts in a row a T9 in Jackson, a T11 in Bermuda, and he was inside the top 10 through three rounds last week. So don't look at that T42 and feel disappointed. I mean, you can, I don't, I don't want to tell you what to do. Feel anything that you want, but I don't think that is entirely indicative. I like these guys that played, you know, three really good rounds last week, obviously. And then I'm just going to flip this 7K range around, sort by strokes gain total over the last 36. And I just want to look at the short game specialists, right? The first couple guys that gain in both categories are, are Burmeester and Shelton. Um, Shelton's gaining like two-thirds of a stroke, more than that, um, in the short game categories in the last 36. Uh, Steven Yeager would show up here as well, very solid around the green, good putter. I'm just kind of looking for guys that have you know a quarter of a stroke uh, gained in both these categories. Molinari is close. Danny Willett's up there. So just kind of looking at it from, from that angle always seems to help. Okay, let's go to the sixes. I got to tell you, I'm not particularly excited about the 6K range. Chesson Hadley, $6,900. Uh, mentioned him earlier. He's He's been fine coming off a, a 17th place finish and a 37th and um, 
is probably a pretty good investment in, in the jock market. Uh, Marty Dow, Zay Ching Dow is what you'll see him on as the, on the stat profile probably, or on the cheat sheet. I'll have to, I'll update his name. Um, Marty Dow, you know, someone who has proven, uh, to be solid, I think is $6,800 coming off a miscut. Not the worst thing that you could do is, is does the Lingmurth magic continue? Right, like th- this is these are the types of guys I always find to be the most difficult to deal with. Lingmurth out of nowhere finishes eleventh and eighth, and now it's like, well, could this possibly continue? He is not very long off the tee at all. In fact, he's quite short. Um, however, he just pounds fairways, and the two events that we have, I don't think we have strokes gain metrics for either of them. Butterfield, yeah, Bermuda and Mayakoba. We don't have the breakdown for both of those. So, like, a, a, similar to Siwoo Kim in terms of just raw viewing pleasure, I'm just super interested to see what what Ling Mirth does this week. I I do not really like the 6K range. I think um, where is Maddie Maddie Schwab, Matthias Schwab, Maddie Schwab, not to be confused with. Maddie Schmid, which when they play together, I swear DraftKings gets kicks out of making them both $7,300. Um, coming off a, T- uh, a T21 last week, interesting. Finished 35th at this event last year, interesting. Robert Streb, who is kind of the opposite of, um, you know, Tony Finau gets the the knock from four penalty strokes that are probably not going to happen again. Robert Streb gets the big boost to 42nd. He made an ace last week, so he actually outperformed his finishing position even better than that. But he's got a 7th and a 28th in his two starts here. Doesn't putt very well, but his around the green play is fairly fairly sound. I'm like a 6 out of 10 on that. I'm not like super stoked about it, but but worth noting. I'm hoping we can find some some better 6K options uh, when we run a model, but before I do that, let's just see who the best guys have been in the last 30. So yeah, it's Chess and Hadley. Um, Augusto Nunez gets a bit, he, he, he's about to fall off a cliff here when his like 32nd through 36 rounds fall off of this. Same with Michael Kim. Yeah, man. Outside of that, what's there to be super, super stoked about? Well, we'll see if we can find some, um, some better fits. Let's run a model. Custom model here at rickrungood.com. I love this thing. It's the new model. I absolutely love it. Okay, let's figure this out. So let's talk off the tee. Um, we'll go We'll go there first. So let's go to driving accuracy um, 12, driving distance 6. So that's 18 off the tee. Strokes gain approach, always valuable, but uh, not particularly more valuable here than most places. So we are going to give it like 10, right? We'll give it strokes gain approach 10. We could actually do, um, let's do it like this. Let's do strokes gained approach last 36, 10, get a little more, a little more, or uh, last 24, do a little more recent. Okay. Then around the green we, we need. So let's do probably longer term around the green. Let's put, uh, I mean, we got to probably put like 20, right? If we wanted, if we wanted, if we want to be smart about it. if we, it has to be more than 18 in driving, right? So let's put 20 around the green and we've got to probably put like 25 on putting. So here's what I've done. 
Actually, I'll put 20 on strokes gain putting last 100. I've already put 20 on strokes gain around the green last 50. And then what I will do is I'll put five on Bermuda putting. Okay. So now we've got putting being, you know, we're following the model here, right? We're following the course key stats, giving a lot of respect to putting. It is now our highest one with around the green being very close second off the tee being interesting, but more accuracy than distance. See what we're, what we're doing here. So I've got 27 left. So let's do a little course history, obviously. So let's do, um, Memorial park. So we're going to put eight on Memorial park. And then I'll actually just steal right from Andy's article, his two, I think he had two other comp courses. Uh, I'm just going to steal those and spoil that part of his article. I thought it was Augusta national. Maybe that was something he wrote earlier. Uh, Southern Hills and Bay Hill. So I'm going to put eight on Memorial park. I'll put a little bit on Bay Hill. Uh, and I'll do Augusta National too, just to mix it up a little bit. So we'll do we'll do four on Augusta National. Mostly, I believe the short game areas is what he's referring to in the green complexes a little bit. And then we'll do four on Bay Hill. So we've got eleven left. Okay, eleven left. Let's do. Um, I mean, we could just put the last eleven on on strokes gained hard golf courses, right? That's kind of interesting. Wow, look at this model. Look at these results. Jason Day, number one. I kind of get it, right? He's been a lot better as of late. Good course history. Good history around Bay Hill. and a, Yeah. Andrew Putnam, second. Didn't I say he was going to model well? Yeah. Andrew Putnam, second. Scotty Scheffler, third. No problem there. Finau, wow. Wise, four. Finau, five. Denny, six. Adam Long, seven. Adam Hadwin, eight. Austin Cook, nine. Aaron Ray, Aaron Rye, 10. Very interesting. So what I'll probably do, so what I've been thinking about is, is now how to the best to deploy this. So what I'm probably going to do is, you know, these are the guys I'll probably be overweight on the field, right? If, if, if Andrew Putnam comes in at 7%, maybe I'll be 14%, something like that, right? Not necessarily saying I'm going to be all in on Andrew Putnam, but I'll be overweight on these guys. Um, Adam Long is kind of interesting because that was someone I did not particularly like the way that he was playing last week. And I didn't want to give him the benefit of the doubt around Mayakoba, and that ended up working out beautifully. Do we want to give him a little more credit this week? Maybe. We'll have to see. But that's that's a pretty sound model. Uh, I'm going to save this so I don't forget. So save this as Houston 2023. I know, it's 2022, but I do it differently. Okay, cool. Well, that'll do it. Um, go sign up for rickrungood.com. Follow me on Twitter. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the channel. Like more than half of you who watch these are not subscribed. Please subscribe. I'm reduced to begging. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week. I'll talk to you guys soon.